you to understand that as this came to my mind, the, the sermon today, a lot of it has to do with myself. So you'll get to hear a lot about me and under, maybe understand better. But I really do believe that God uses broken people. If you look at the hero, heroes of the faith in Hebrews chapter 11, it lists all of the people, and, and we'll get into that in a little bit later. But I really do believe that God wants us to be used of him as never before. And I do believe that God wants to use everybody. One of the things that came to my mind and I began to prepare the sermon on, uh, you know, what killed your dreams? What killed your dreams? Because when God gives us a gift or a calling, he doesn't take it back. And he expects us to use those gifts until we stand before him and he asks us, how did you do? And see, he doesn't want every one of us to be like somebody else. He uses us as an individual. He uses what happens in our lives as the catalyst to minister to other people. Okay? So in Acts chapter 3, which Pastor Tom alluded to uh, last week or the week before, we read this, and it's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. In the time of prayer was about the, the third, uh, three o'clock in the afternoon. And Peter and John were going into the temple. A man who had been born lame was being carried to the temple door each day. He was placed beside this door, known as the beautiful gate. He sat there and begged from the people who were going in. And I, I loved that because of friends. The friends carried him every day to help him make a living or take care of himself. Just like the man that carried the individual and they cut through the roof and let him down in front of Jesus because there are so many people in there. We need to have friends, good friends. Friends that will do what we need necessary for us. But as we go on, it says... The man saw Peter and John entering the temple, and he asked them for money. But they looked straight at him and said, Look up at us. Look upon us. I want you to be paying attention to what I'm going to say. So the beggar in my mind had this imagination of, Man, I must be going to get an awful lot of money. I won't have to be here every day. I won't have to, to have people looking down at me and passing by. How often do we do that when we are going down the street and we see somebody that is sitting on the corner that is asking for money? How many of us will turn and go away? We won't even go by them because we find them an embarrassment. But as this individual looked up at John and Peter, Peter made the comment and he said, um, Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, I give unto you. You know? In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And Scripture tells us that as his bones were strengthened, as the muscles got their strength, he stood up and he began to leap. 
and he began to dance around, and he walked with him into the temple, something that he had not done his entire life, because he was not allowed to go into the temple. Defects were not allowed in the temple. Aren't you glad that today God says, come on in. I want you. I accept you exactly as you are. Now, when Peter said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk, in my mind, what he is saying to not only this individual, but to each one of us, is that you have Jesus Christ. And when you are out with people in the shopping mall, if you're at home, if whatever, somebody asks, you have what they need. Many years ago, I could walk by people on the street who were asking money because I thought, oh, a good stewardship of God's money. I don't know how they're going to spend that. I don't know what they're going to say, how they're going to use it. They might be going out to buy alcohol. They might be going out to buy drugs. They might... And you know what God said to me? It was one of those four-by-four moments. If they ask, give. Oh, oh, wait a minute here. That's not what I... He said, no. Whose money is it? How many of us say that everything we have is God's? We don't want to use it unworthy, but you never know. And a good example of what happened it is I had to go and I had to give them money. And, 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 you know, sometimes it's everything I have on me that I will give to them. Sometimes it's just if they ask a dollar, I'll give them two. See, I don't have to worry about how they're going to use it because God will have them answer how they used it. I don't have to wonder what they're going to do. And pastoring for many years, I pastored in North Dakota, I was on... Uh, the Sunday School Representative Board, if I can put it that way. And we went down to uh, Fort Worth, Texas, one of the places that I, the Lord has to make me go there. I just, it's too hot, too humid, you know. Uh, I just don't like it. And as the DYD is what they called him then, the District Youth Director, I don't know what they call him now. He and I were walking from our hotel room to a convenience store to get something to eat and to drink. As we walked by a man standing against the wall, he goes, do you have a dollar that I can have? So I very happily reached in my pocket and gave him the dollar. And as we walked further down, Winston goes, why did you do that? He might use it for, and I said, I know, it's not my problem. Because God will have him answer for that. Scripture says if they ask, give. So I gave. The next day when we went to McDonald's, Winston comes in a little bit late and he goes, can I borrow some money? And everyone looked at him and said, now wait a minute, you're the district youth director and you have no money? And he goes, it's Jim's fault. And I'm going, my fault? He goes, yeah. I walked by some people asking money, so I had to give them my money. You know? How often does God want to use what you and I have to bless other people? You don't know what is going on in their lives. You don't know how 
that dollar, of course, now let me phrase it this way. I always pray over that money. Asking God that they use it the way they're supposed to. And if they're going to get cigarettes, let them get really sick. You know? Alcohol. Now that's just me. I'm not saying you should do that. But God requires us to take care of other people. Now within all of this, just as we, I've already said that God gives each one of us a gift. He gives us something to be used within the body. Every one of us within the sound of my voice and those that are on vacation and those that are, will watch later, God uses all of us to complete the body. I need you. I need you to do and be who God has called and ordained you to be. I need that. The church needs that, that we will be completed. See, our differences should be an area of completeness instead of an area of antagonism. God wants us to work together. He has uniquely used us. And I also know that some of the people are going to say, but I don't have anything. I have nothing to give. I can't speak. I can't, but you might have a smile. And all that you have to do is smile at somebody, and they will wonder what is going on. My first wife is telling me that I need to do this. So I'll I'll try. (laughs) Thank God for first wives. You know? Now, yes, she's my first wife, and we've been married 48 years. So um, you'll get used to me. I like to have fun when I speak. I might have to go a whole different way or hold it in my hand. But I want you to get that God has given you something. I don't care what it is. It might be that you stand at the door and you can shake a hand really well and say, I'm glad to see you. You know, all of us have been given something. And many years ago when I took a team down to uh, Santiago, Chile, it was really interesting. Because I've been arguing with God what I was supposed to speak. Do you ever do that? Probably not what I'm supposed to speak, but... You ever argue with God, I can't go there because? I was giving the, the very important task of standing by a telephone pole. You know? On that telephone pole was an electric box. And they were doing something. They did not want the electricity to be turned on. So I was standing there to speak Spanish to the people and say, no, no. That was my job, my task, my job. Very important. And as I was standing out there, there was a young lady that had gone with the team. She was from Utah. She was a flight attendant. (laughs) We had lots of fun. She came out and she was talking on the phone. And I, standing by the telephone pole, could see that she was sobbing and she talked for a while she saw me standing there and then she went back in and hung up the phone and I began to speak that night on the bread of life 
Each one of us has the bread of life, which we find, you know, in John. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. You and I, as believers, have the bread of life. And we always can give the bread of life to somebody. It might be a smile. It might be a helping hand. It might be standing by that telephone pole and saying, no, no. You know? But God has something for us, each one of us. Something that we can bless other people with. And as I went through the, the sermon that night, she came up and said, do you remember this morning I was sobbing? I said, yes. She goes, I was talking to my mother, and I was telling her, I don't know why I came on this trip. I have nothing to give. I don't have the skills that it takes. But you know what she heard that night? You're a flight attendant. You get to greet everybody that comes on that plane. You get to smile and, and, and give them the beverages, the snack. You have the opportunity to bless them. She goes, that was so awesome. That message was just for me. And I didn't want to preach that there. I wanted to preach, I know the plans that I have for you. You know? But see, God uses us if we will let him. God uses broken people. I really don't think I'm going to use all the slides, so don't worry about that. Because I've discovered, and you will too, that I'm a noted minister. I have lots of pages. But I usually don't use my notes, and I can already tell it's not going to happen that way. So, you know, but God calls us to be his hand extended. From whatever age, it can be a little child. You know, I love when I hear children in the services. You know, you can tell when they've had enough. They begin to talk or they begin to squirm. But I love to hear them. And I thank mom and dad for bringing the children because that is the church of tomorrow. And they need to learn. What's it like to be in a church? What's it like to listen to a sermon? I thank God for that. It doesn't bother me. And no, it doesn't. I don't see it too much anymore. Because I was one of those children in church that didn't hold still. Mom, if she put me down on the floor, I'd crawl to the front. And the pastor would get on to my mom and say, don't worry about it. He's going to be a preacher one day. He's just coming to the front. Guess what? I turned out to be a minister. You never know the gifts that God is giving, but God gives each one of us those gifts. God uses broken people. I cannot say that enough. God uses broken people. And as growing up, at the age of six years old, I was diagnosed with mononucleosis. Big words. Basically means that you have trouble with your blood. Okay? But that diagnosis turned into a different diagnosis turned into leukemia. And I never put it together that I'm a cancer survivor until just a few years ago when I was watching the TV program and somebody on there had leukemia. <laughs> 
So you, now, you know the treatment they have today for leukemia and all the good things that happen. Back when I was six years old, back when the dinosaurs roamed this earth, you know, my nephew will tell you that I had a T-Rex as my pet. He tells everyone that I'm older than dirt. He will tell you that when I was a child, the Dead Sea was only sick, you know? So you can tell what he thinks about me. He really thinks a lot and very highly. And I, I love Marty to death. I love the way he does that. But during that time frame, because this would have been 1960, how do they treat leukemia for kids? How do they treat cancer? Man, I thank God for the medical advances. But see, for that time frame, I became so sick. Food, oh, sounded terrible. The smell of food made me sick. So I never wanted to go to restaurants. I never wanted to do any of that. I became so depleted that the doctor said to my mom and dad, you need to go buy the grave. You need to go and purchase a place to bury your son because he's not going to make it. As you can tell, God healed me. And, and the, the smell of food no longer makes me sick. In fact, there's some foods that I love to eat, as you can tell. But because of that, it took many years to recover strength. So I was a child that was always bullied because I couldn't do things like other children could do. I couldn't play basketball. I couldn't do anything because I just didn't have the stamina. During that time frame, I was molested. I have a feeling the reason they did it was because I, I was supposed to die. Wouldn't make any difference. I really do believe that through all of that, God has opened doors for me to minister to other people. Be as broken as I was, abused as I was. Age of 16, my dad had a heart attack, a massive heart attack. And the only reason that he was lived through that was because of our God. And I know that. But when I was allowed to go in to see him the first time there in ICU, when I walked in, you know what the words that I heard? This is your fault. Those are the words that he said to me. How would you take that? I walked out to where my family was at. You know what I was told by my mother? It's your fault he had this heart attack. My older brother, it's your fault. My fault. What did I do? I can tell you this, what I did is I put up a wall so strong. That I would never be hurt again by them. And those walls that I put up so I wouldn't be hurt. There was a, an event that took place probably a year after that. I was doing the dishes and it's probably because I deserved to do the dishes. 
something had happened in another country where a lot of children have been killed, they've been beaten, they whatever. And mom was making those comments to me. And mom made the comment, you have a heart of stone. You have a heart of stone. My first response was, yeah, you gave it to me. Didn't say that, otherwise I wouldn't be here. Because she definitely believed I brought you in this world and I will take you out. Okay? No, my mom wasn't abusive or whatever, so don't get that idea. But I put those walls up. Just like you and I do when people hurt us. But those walls that we put up against human also goes up against God. He's never done anything that would hurt me. He's never done anything like that. But I did not want to be hurt. God uses broken people. How many within the sound of my voice would say, yeah, I'm broken? Maybe not that way. See, I was told I was worthless. You're no good. And through that, God says, no, I love you. I want to comfort you. Let me put my arms around you. Let me carry you. I know that now. And if you ever go through Denver, or you're going to Denver, and you want to see if my story is true or correct, at Iliff and I-70 on the east side, which is just before you get into Aurora, if you look to the south, you will see a grave, you know, a cemetery. In that cemetery, at about in the middle, you'll see three trees. I, they might be gone now, but they were there last time I was there. You will discover that my mom, my dad, my youngest sister are buried there. Their fourth plot was for me. I do have that reminder that God loves me, that God heals me. And I will tell you today that God heals anybody and everybody. And I believe that God will heal you even if you don't love him. I believe that's how much he loves us. Now see, within the, this brokenness, God wants to use you. Just like that stewardess that said she didn't have any gifts to give to anybody. She discovered that she did. And she became fantastic. All because God said, I love you. And she got a hold of that. I have something to give. And see, I told you that uh, Jesus, in John chapter 6, he says, I am the bread of life. And you and I have that bread of life to give to everybody. Now, when it comes to that bread of life, though, how good is that bread of life? Let that sink in just for a minute. And listen to the words that I have to say. See, when we go to our, our co-workers and they're struggling and we see, well, Jesus is the answer, they're going to see the Jesus through you. Now, with that, that thought in mind, growing up in Commerce City, which 
to me is a stinky town of, of Denver. We had the refineries, we had the pig uh, pens, all that stuff that wasn't built up very much. Oh, it stunk there, I'll guarantee it. But as you would go by on Highway 2, 72nd and Highway 2, we had rainbow bread. How many have ever gone by a bakery when, you know, they're baking and that's all you smell? What a delicious smell that is, you know? You gain 15 pounds just because it smelled so good. But see, when we go to people and we say, I have the answer for your problem, it's Jesus Christ. What kind of Jesus are you going to give them? Because he said, I am the bread of life. How many of us have not said anything to God in the last year and a half? How many have not even talked to God or thought about God? We went to church once because we had to. We didn't really pay attention in the service because, you know. But all of a sudden, there's somebody that needs our help. And I, I liken that type of a testimony to a slice of bread that has become moldy. <laughs> and I want you to imagine this. You have that moldy slice of bread. And you want to present it to these people, saying, this is the bread of life. How many of you want to take that moldy bread? So you think, oh, man, that's really not very good. So what you do is you get out, and I like apple butter. I like grape jelly. I like strawberry. All kinds of things. So I put that on that, that bread. I hand you that slice of bread and say, this is the bread of life. This is what Jesus will do. How many of you are going to take that? Or you take a bite of it and you spit it out and say, this is not good at all. Or the next thing with that, that bread of life, you go and you, you talk with the people, but it's hard. You know, it's been left out and it becomes really, really hard. What's it good for? Again, you put your butter on it. You put some jelly on it, and you go to hand it to them. Do you want that? Do you think it'll taste really good? I don't. You know, the only thing that's really good for is, you, is dressing on, on Thanksgiving. Because <laughs> you're going to pour some stuff into it, and it absorbs it. And flavors are there. You know, or you put it in the microwave and try to make it softer. But as I already told you, when you drive by rainbow bread, to me this, this illustrates a very vibrant person. A person that, that experiences Jesus Christ every day. He knows that it's, it, the walk is exciting. And trust me, it really is. When I get up in the mornings, I better rephrase that. Most mornings when I get up, the first thing I say is, what miracles am I going to see today, God? And I look for them. I look for the miracles. Not all of them are big, wonderful things like being healed. But I slept through the night. What a blessing. If you have sleep apnea, you know what that's like. I slept three hours. Now I sleep more than that, getting older. 
oh man, thank you, Lord, that I have slip-on slippers. I don't have to really struggle. Or guess what? Thank you, Lord, that I have shoestrings in my shoes. Those are all blessings. Is that the type of bread you're going to give to the people? Here, this is the bread of life. See, what I've always worked as a minister besides preaching on Sunday. My last job was working in a gravel pit, and I was, the title they gave me was Waymaster. You know? And I understand that, or some other places would call it the Scale Master. Because the truck drivers would come in, and I would give them directions of what they're going to pick up, where it was at. And when they would leave, I was the one that said, yep, your weight's fine. Nope, you're overweight. Oh, you're too light. Okay? That was my job. But everyone knew that I was a minister. Everybody knew that when they walked in, I would ask them questions, how are you doing? And some of them would tell me, I would say, let me pray with you about that. It got around that you could share with this waymaster anything, and he would stop and he would pray. One day a truck driver came in and said, I really need to get back in church. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, I haven't been going lately, and I really don't know where to go. I said, you need to get back in church. I was, you know, I didn't tell him you have to go to this church or that church. You need to find a church that teaches God's word. He put it, he wants a church that would preach hellfire and brimstone. And there are a few churches that way. But see, be ready in season and out of season to give a reason why you believe what you believe. That particular business was sold three times. <laughs> the latest boss that I had, he didn't want me to do that. And I said, okay, you can replace me. I'm not going to stop. They expected it. See, I'd had truck drivers that came in that was involved in an accident where two individuals lost their life because they hit the back of her trailer. The van caught on fire. You ready to minister to those people? That brokenness in her life The new manager of the place, he said, I really don't want you. He said, oh, so you don't want me to pray for you anymore, that God helps you with your decisions? He goes, oh, no, 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 don't stop, don't stop. Are you willing to be caught praying for somebody, giving what God has given you? Now, see, the things that happened to me, the, my parents calling me worthless, no good. It's your fault. Those walls have come down. Every once in a while they start to go up. But I have something that I can give. God uses broken people. And if you, you really need more than that, I, I, I'll get to that. Whoa, I'll hurry. You would know when a minister says he'll hurry or he's closing, it really doesn't mean a whole lot. But actually, I am really trying to close. See, God uses your weakness 
as his power. Because those things that you really have to depend upon him for, such as the ability to speak, and if I were to tell you the truth, the first time I get up in front of different audiences, it scares me to death. This body does things that it shouldn't do. My nerves are whatever. Maybe that's why I walk a lot. But God uses that. God will use everything that you give him. And in fact, he wants to use some of the things you don't want to give to him. See, I really believe the Holy Spirit is a busybody. What do you mean by a busybody? How many of us have places in our hearts or places that we told God, you can have everything but not this? I believe the Holy Spirit goes to that door and knocks. What's in here? I want to see what's in here. And we keep saying, no, 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 no. You ought to be saying, yes, 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 yes. Go in there. Clean out that, that closet. Clean out those skeletons that I can really be used of God. I believe he wants to do that. See, I believe that this church, Restoration Church, I believe this for all churches, but our name says that we are going to restore people. See, I really want to see the unlovable walking through those doors. I want to see those people that have been so hurt, they don't even raise their head when they look at you. I want those people to come in. I want us to be able to say, come on in, your family, sit down. I want you to enjoy as a youth pastor, I had one rule. Well, actually, I had more than one rule. But the main rule was, if you come along, you must participate. You must participate. No, you don't have to be the center of attention, but you must participate. There's a young lady that... <laughs> I still see her face. Man, she was thinner than I was when I had leukemia. She didn't talk, very bashful. I believe she's being raised by her grandparents now. She came and, and she went with us to a skating party. She was just setting off over in the corner and I went over and said, that's not allowed. You came with us, you have to get out and you have to at least skate twice. She did. Another time we went, you got to understand, I'm, I have a lot of fun. I want to have fun. I took the youth groups tubing. Right out, man, first thing we did, and you've seen the cartoons where they run right over the top of whoever's in lead. That happened. And this girl was on the tube right behind me. And man, she flattened me. She started to laugh, and she's having a great time. We left. That church went to another Many years later, I received a letter that said, I want to thank you for making me participate. She goes, my husband and I are in charge of two deaf churches, and I love it. You never know those little things, what it means to somebody. You never know what 
will encourage them. See, God uses broken people. He takes that brokenness and he uses it. I believe that the church is, is, is that place, that hospital for all the sick to come in. And I want them to come in. The person that, that is struggling with alcoholism, come on in. We're going to pray with you. We'll celebrate every sober day. And you know what? And if you slip, we're going to celebrate and welcome you back because God says, I forgive you. Now get up and start going. See, I really believe that God wants us to really do everything that we we're supposed to do. One thing about it is I've learned that I can pray for you and God will empower you. You've heard me say a lot about broken people. Let me give you just a couple of illustrations of who I'm talking about in the Bible. See if you know. What about Abraham? How many you know Abraham? You know he was a liar. You know he's an old age. What about Elijah? <laughs> Called the fire down, destroyed all Baal's uh, prophets. A woman said, you know what, by tonight you're going to be dead. So he takes off running. He says, God, let me die. You might say he was suicidal. But what happens after that? What about Joseph? Man, talk about a dysfunctional family. Of course, I think Joseph brought a little bit on himself when he told his brothers, you know what? I had a dream last night. I'm this way up here and you're bowing down and you're worshiping me. <laughs> if my brother had told me that, I would have said, uh-huh. You might be bigger than me and stronger than me, but that's not going to... But see, God uses his plans. No, he didn't plan for the abuse. But he uses that for his glory. He uses that for other people. What about Moses? Do you remember Moses? Led the children out of bondage? He argued with God so many times that God became angry. I can't talk. Fine, take your brother. He'll be your mouthpiece. I can just hear God say that. What about Gideon? He was thrashing wheat where there should be doing the grapes for wine. He was hiding. God calls him a mighty man of valor. And all God's told him to do was to stand firm. You know, look at the, the battle that was done. What about Samson? Yeah, he was a womanizer. I can go on and on. What about Rahab? What about the Samaritan woman? How often do we do that to people? How often do we do that? Say you're worthless. You're no good. That's why she went out in the middle of the day, because nobody was supposed to be out there. But Jesus went to talk to her. And because of her, look at what happens to the city. God wants to use each and every one of us.
God wants to empower you this year. God wants Restoration Church and all the churches here to be the hospital, calling the people in. Come on in. We want to be your friend. Come on in. I want you. I need you. Did you get that? God wants you. God needs you. And not only does God need you, I need you. I need you to be honest with me. I need you to tell me when you walk in, I say, how are you doing? Don't be like every other Christian. Don't lie to me. Don't tell me you're fine. I can see by the way you're walking, your back is hurting, your, your hip is hurting. I want to pray with you. I really do believe that God wants us to really be his hand extended. And that this first day of the year, I want to challenge you to do that. May this be the year that you draw close to him. May this be the year that he uses you in ways that you never could imagine. Sometimes you may find out the good that has transpired. And with this, I really am closing. There is a missionary by the name of David Plymeyer. Ever heard of him? I don't see any hands. David Plymeyer was a missionary to Tibet. David Plymeyer for 30-some years ministered. Did not see one convert. Almost said convict. <laughs> Didn't see one person come to Christ. He poured his life into these people. He gave everything he had. And see, I really do believe that David Plymeyer at nighttime, when he'd lay down, he would sob. Just like God sees all of your hurts. Those nights that you've been sobbing. God says, I want to take care of that. David Plymeyer passed away. Never seen any fruits of his labor. Not one. Many people have told him, it's worthless. You don't need to go there. Those people don't care. David Plymeyer's son went to Tibet. And you wouldn't believe the revival that hit Tibet. See, God has called you and I, and I don't care how old or how young you are, God has called you to be his witness. And if we don't do that, we fail two generations. For me, I would fail the generation before me because they have planted the seeds, they have watered, and I failed to harvest. And because I don't speak, then I fail the generations underneath me because they have nothing to harvest. See, God uses people. God uses those things that happen to us to strengthen us. He uses those things 
to help us. You know, man, I'm sure glad God doesn't hold those walls against me. I'm sure glad that he brought the the battering ram and broke them apart. Because God says, and he is saying today, I will use you. Just let me. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this great and awesome day. I want to thank you, Heavenly Father, that you use broken people. I want to thank you, Heavenly Father, that we can have bread that is so fresh, so good tasting, that everybody wants to eat of that. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we go our separate ways today, that the Spirit of God would go with us, that He would illuminate our minds to the Word of God, that we would be so full of joy and happiness that people want it. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for your many blessings, for the the miracles in my life, And now, Heavenly Father, as we make our goals for this year, may that include loving the unlovable, looking for people to minister to. I thank you once again, Lord, for it's in Christ's lovely name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming. Don't forget, on your way out, there's the offering basket. There's the global outreach, the basket for tithes and offerings. And if you haven't gotten your book that we'll be using... Look there on the table, and if this is your first time here, there is a gift that we want to make sure that you get. So as you go in the power of God this week, have a great and glorious, miracle-filled week. God bless.